Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Champion Hope Podcast. I'm your host and guide, Lance Howard, and I am honored to bring to you the next couple of conversations and a coaching conversations. It seems like that we all enjoy the Chick-fil-A story, how it's built, how they do it, the inner workings of it. We're all mesmerized by how a single chicken sandwich has grown to over an $18 billion enterprise. In today's episode, I have uh, the honor of talking with an owner-operator, Tim Sweetman, and he is up in Delaware. I have coming up on a next episode after that, author and former chief marketing officer, Steve Robinson, and we talk about the inner workings of Chick-fil-A. And finally, I have a coaching conversation queued up with a current client that I have the honor to serve. So if you like Chick-fil-A, if you're curious about what's going on inside their culture and what makes an owner-operator unique and dynamic, and you just want to hear the nuances of what happens, I would highly encourage you to subscribe to the next several episodes, and if you find them helpful, to share this with your friend as well. Without further ado, here is today's conversation with Tim Sweetman. So on the Champion Hope podcast today, I've got guest Tim Sweetman. Tim is first and foremost, let's just make this clear, a daughter, or not a daughter, <laughs> a father of four daughters. Is that still correct? That is still correct. That is still correct. Not, not, nothing in the oven. Actually, there is. So <laughs> more than likely, high percentage that it could be five, five daughters uh, uh, following in the footsteps of uh, great men like Michael Hyatt and others. Uh, I believe they have five girls. So, yep, uh, we'll, we'll uh, see what happens. We don't know yet, but we will know uh, here in a few months. Well, blessings upon that. Uh, I've got four girls and they're 12 to six. Uh, so it, I mean, there's, there's nothing like being a girl dad. So that's Tim. That's the primary thing you need to know today. Uh, Tim is also owner operator of a Chick-fil-A in Delaware, and he also hosts the mission and margin uh, podcast. So Tim and I are going to dive into our standard eight questions uh, this morning, both coaching questions and just uh, diving into what's going on inside Tim as well. So uh, Tim, your wife's name is Emily uh, and, and she recently uh, had an injury. So, so prayers upon her healing for that. But let me ask you about a recent date night. So the greatest adventure that we can have is to love and serve our home front uh, and to serve and love our wife faithfully. Uh, and the unique intersection that we're exploring here is, is leadership and the marriage. Uh, so what is a recent date that you and Emily went on? And what does that more specifically reveal about your life? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I, I will say this. We have been so shocked and surprised. We spent a lot of time with other uh, folks near our age who were early 30s. And I've always been shocked at how many 
uh, young married couples are not going on dates. They're not spending time. So we, from the beginning, we've been married over 10 years. We have always been very intentional about going out. So a recent date, I went into, uh, we went out for sushi. And uh, one of the things that my wife will tell you about herself is that she's very introverted and I am the opposite. I'm very quick to speak. And so I will dominate the conversation and recently got convicted of that. And what I did in this time is I spent a lot of time in silence, asked a question and let it breathe. It was super awkward for me, but it was incredible because I was able to provide and give her some space. So it was a real indication for me that I certainly am, am quick to speak and slow to listen. And that's an area that I need to grow and develop in, but also just learned very quickly the power of silence in a conversation. It's amazing what will happen when you don't jump right in, especially in a relationship like that. And especially with the person that in general needs to think and reflect on the question before anything else happens. And I have never, I can't, I couldn't think of a better conversation than that one that we had had in a while. You know, of course you, you do have great conversations, but we were able to go really, really deep, not necessarily quickly because you had to wait, <laughs> but we were able to go really deep because I shut up period. And so, uh, that's what, that's what I would, that's what I would share. Uh, and, and so for those who love to talk and maybe you're outgoing and your, your significant other is maybe a, a, a little slower to speak and quiet power silence is incredible. There, there is a lost art in asking meaningful questions, right? Both personally and professionally, um, you know, and, and when somebody has that space, they feel seen, they feel heard. And so all of a sudden, Emily is like, wait, do I have, do I have a new man? Like what happened to Tim? Like, I'm used to him talking the whole date night. Like, did she respond uh, with an awareness of what was going on or did uh, like, like how was her response to your uh, silence and question? Yeah. I, at one moment she goes, are you, are you doing something different? Like what's going on here? You know? And, and uh, I, I had, I had been uh, learning about the power of silence in another area that was more related to business and sales. And I thought, yeah, this could be really helpful uh, to, to listen here. So yes, yeah, she responded so well to that. And, and since that conversation, uh, I, I will be gently reminded as we go out other times that, Hey, remember how good that conversation was? Maybe you should try that again. And so it's, it's an ongoing uh, development in my life to, to listen. And, and as you said, it's not just any question, where do you want to go to dinner and just leaving silence? It is truly deep, meaningful questions. And uh, we have, we've done a lot. I've tried to do a lot of research and in, in time thinking about this. I think it's, it's worthwhile to, prepare ahead of time and the same way we prepare to ensure that we, you know, have reservations or know where we're going and what we're doing. I'm trying to put in the same amount of energy and effort into what questions am I going to ask? I certainly am not perfect on this. I think there are nights where we go out and I'm like, Oh shoot, I didn't think about any of this and we're just going to go to the movies or something. But I know that the best conversations and the best things that move the relationship forward are meaningful questions. And for me to ask those and just wait, and, and sit in silence. And there's, there's so many good resources, whether it's like 
the Prowse questionnaire, which is a great tool. I think it's about 20 questions. It, we've, we've, we've gone through that. Uh, we recently got one of those games that you can use where it just has cards. You pick up the card and it asks you really deep questions. So I didn't have to think of them. We just went through them. That was a lot of fun. Um, it was, it was amazing. The, the intentionality, right? That's right. Uh, yeah. So Tim, I, I know on a recent podcast, um, you may or may deflect this question. So, so by all means, but suppose you have a great date night, you and Emily enjoy your dessert, you enjoy the food and you're like, man, I need to go work out tomorrow. Um, what is your preferred style of working out? And what does that reveal about your leadership? So my preferred style of working out is alone. <laughs> um, and I always have people want to come over and work. Out. I love just going into the cave and working out or something, but uh, I hate running. I will just say that I absolutely hate running. But one thing I will say, and maybe this does say something about my leadership is I, I try as best I possibly can to choose things that I don't enjoy. Uh, I, I want to do the hard thing first. I feel like if I do that in the gym, then I'm more than likely going to do that in my leadership. And so this is a huge change in my life. If, if you talk to somebody that I led when I was 20, 21, 22, 23, they would say Tim was so afraid of conflict, so afraid of doing the hard thing first. I was so grateful. I think I've grown and developed in that and that I'm not afraid to do the difficult thing first. I think that's a huge part of my style and leadership. So I'm going to jump on the machine, whatever it is, that's going to be the longest, whether it's the bike or the treadmill, those kinds of things. And I most recently got a sauna and I'm going to, I'm going to crank that thing up and make it really uncomfortable as much as I possibly can. So, uh, in the past, I've definitely been a CrossFit guy. Uh, and, and again, I like doing hard things. I want to, I want to do the hard things and I want to do the hard things first. So that uh, it, it wasn't always the case for me, but I've evolved and grown in that. So, so if the hard thing is a, a 5k run that is pre-programmed for you and do you cherry pick those days? That I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, <laughs> even if it means I'm hurting or whatever. And, and again, I say this humbly, I'm not perfect in this. It's a constant battle. I, I go into the, I have a great space at home. I walk into the gym. I see the Jocko poster that I've posted up about, you know, discipline equals freedom. And I, you know, kind of look at that, stare at it for a little while and turn on the good music. And it, it takes a lot of energy and effort to get out there. But I think back to the times, uh, especially in my early twenties, I had some health issues and just wasn't the best version of myself by any stretch uh, I was just not the best version of myself and to do the, the, the work, whether that's to spend the money or do the hard thing or whatever it might be to make sure that I'm on my peak physical self as much as I possibly can be. I'm going to pursue that again. It comes back to the intentionality. I've been so, I stand on the shoulders of those who are incredibly intentional. I feel like I have to be the same way to not let those people down. Yeah. Yeah. So Tim, I know most people would look at you know, somebody like yourself, uh, young, owning, operating a Chick-fil-A, doing well by all 
modern accounts of, of what some would consider success. We're quick to look at everybody's winning season and, and where they're at currently in life. And we rarely talk about the suffering, the perseverance, the endurance, uh, those hard times, and specifically how those hard times reveal character in us that God is trying to shape and form. What is like one of those seasons uh, that you can point to uh, that has helped shape you and continue to keep grounded as somebody that's kingdom driven? I can think of a lot of seasons and a lot of circumstances. So I've been telling people the story of my Chick-fil-A career is that we opened our restaurant, brand new freestanding restaurant, incredible blessing. Uh, again, after multiple, multiple years of going through the interview process and the challenges around that. And we opened in 2008, half, halfway through the year. And then 2019 was our first full year. And then boom, COVID hit. So in a lot of ways, we feel like we're very, very new. But in particular, I can think about 2020 was a year where I felt like this is the moment, you know, that we're going to step up. I'm ready to take this on. I was built for this and I had a phenomenal year. However, in 2021, I got to the end of 2020, felt like things were going really, really well and found and trusted a leader that I felt could run the business for me. Unfortunately, the integrity piece was not there for this leader. And, and we ended up being in a circumstance, a situation where uh, he was mistreating employees, he was stealing money, you kind of name it, it was happening. And at the end of the day, I'm going to take ownership of that and that I wasn't quite there. But I, I found myself in a season of questioning, should I do this? Uh, I got I got duped by this person. And is God really in this? How would he let something like this happen to me? And how could I miss this? And so it was a lot of, of grief and stress and frustration. But I don't know the exact moment. It, it probably was in the last six to eight months or so. I went back to calling and said, am I called to do this? Because that's exactly what I went through and thought about back in 2015, 2016, and 2017 as I was preparing for this. Has God called me to do this? And the answer was yes. God had called me to do this. And if he called me to do it, he's going to give me the power, the energy, the grace to be able to make it through. And so my years uh, have been full of mistakes. And, uh, the one thing though, about me is I'm going to learn from those mistakes. I'm always going to get better. Um, I'm not going to repeat them. That's, that is for certain, but I definitely, uh, have made my fair share of mistakes and will continue to make those mistakes. But I know that I can continue to push forward because I'm called by God, but he's taken me through all kinds of difficult circumstances, whether it's major health issues. Uh, yeah, I found out my thyroid wasn't working at all. And so they, that, that impacts you in a lot of ways or the year or two, my wife and I lived on food stamps and, and wick and had to deal with that. A lot of people don't see that. They don't see the, the time and energy and the sacrifice that you had to put in or the, the working of three to four jobs at a time. You, you sort of just see the end, but I, I very much feel like I'm still on the journey. 
still learning, still growing. And at the core, though, I'm called by God to do this. And so incredibly grateful and blessed uh, by what he's given me and this opportunity has given me. I love how you just point back to that idea of, of calling, right? Because in the, in the confusion, the chaos, the storm, it, it's easy to misplace like what is going on, right? But if, if we can root our identity into something greater than this short temporary pain that we're feeling, then it helps us to kind of stay in the endurance fight. Uh, so thank you for, for pointing that out. That's incredibly helpful. Tim, what is your secret fear? Why uh, or we as men collectively who listen to this podcast have ambitions, desires, dreams, uh, but what is your secret fear and what's possibly holding you back from pursuing uh, stepping over that? Absolutely. Uh, there, I'm sure there's a long list of, of fears, <laughs> uh, but yeah, secret fear, uh, it, really won't be secret as we share it here, but I think it, it almost always comes back to either fear of failure or imposter syndrome almost every time. And I would say it, it, it's that, that, oh, I'm going to fail or people are going to find out you're not as good as you pretend to be or something. So I'm here to say I'm not as good as I am. You know, uh, that's why I'm interviewing other people normally on a podcast because I'm still learning. I'm still growing, but that fear is there. And oftentimes I will see it rear its ugly head and, and inability to maybe make a big decision. And I think that's why we go back to the earlier question about do the hard thing first. I really have to get that, the do the hard thing first. Otherwise, that secret fear of you're not who you say you're not good enough, th that will, that will come in. And so uh, I always forget my Enneagram number, but it's, it, uh, it definitely, I, I want to say it's a Enneagram three. And uh, it, it's one of those, those things where you sort of morph to whatever group you're around in order to be perceived as the best version of yourself at all times. And sometimes you lose yourself in that and, and you're, you're afraid to be the, the real, true, authentic person that you are, that God's created you to be. You're afraid to be that person. So, um, yeah, there's so many different ways that that can hold me back, but, uh, I th at least I'd know, I think that's a, that's a big key is okay. <laughs> If you know what the problem is, it's a lot easier to address that and fix that. But I see that so often. And and um, one of the biggest ways it, it plays itself out as a young leader, uh, currently 32 years old, as we record this, I lead most, most of the leaders that I oversee currently, employ, are much older than I am, sometimes often a decade or more. And if I, if I live in that fear of, I'm not good enough. Oh goodness. They need a leader. It doesn't matter what age I am. They need a leader. They need somebody who can make these decisions. That's good. Nothing like bringing up the Enneagram. I would, I would assume bad assumption. Right? I don't type people, um, but you're probably a high D when it comes to disc. Yeah. Yeah. Usually off the charts, high D all the time. Uh, it, it, it has, it, it's, it's interesting. That's why it's interesting. You never want to type somebody. Cause I tell 
folks all the time. I think, again, if you had looked at it five years ago, 10 years ago, it's interesting to see that evolve as I've taken the, the different tests over the years that things have changed. And so, yeah, it used to be a much high, higher eye for a long time. And then it's kind of, it's kind of swapped over the last yeah. couple of years. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about threes, uh, if it is true for you and, and what you said about uh, your secret fears is that um, being found out, right? Uh, threes have this shadow self, this false self that kind of creeps in that at the end of the day, uh, they can be manipulative unintentionally for their own gain, right? Um, so it's interesting that you're aware of that and you're able to, to name it in terms of your secret fear um, and, and, and continue to try to lead faithfully in, in the midst of that. Yeah. So Tim, when you're out of alignment uh, with Jesus specifically and out of step with the spirit, one, how do you know? And two, how do you get back on track? Uh, I, th I think first and foremost, how do you know? I know usually in the way that I am thinking about or treating others, it's, it's in some way, shape or form, uh, whether it's in my mind or I'm actually verbally being frustrated, angry, you name it, whether it's my wife, kids, uh, it could be customers, it could be team members. Um, I, I will catch myself oftentimes, for example, maybe reading a negative review of the restaurant where we failed or messed up. And I could tell my spirit is not right when I'm ranting and raving and frustrated with that individual or person. And I realize, oh, goodness gracious, I'm, I'm definitely out of alignment in a lot of areas, <laughs> in particular, more than likely with, with, with God. And so uh, a couple of things come to mind. One, it's going to be accountability. It's going to be friends. It's going to be people in my life that are, um, they're, they're going to, they're going to address that for me, that they're going to speak into that for me. But really at the end of the day, I was rereading, um, I think it's, it's the, the book on uh, a book on rest. And, uh, I think it's the elimination of hurry and just a reminder of a quiet time whatever that ends up looking like for different people. But for me, oftentimes it will be coming to an office space or just a pause in my car, some kind of dedicated time where I go, I'm just going to sit in silence. I'm going to pray. I'm going to think, I'm going to re react. I'm going to respond. And, uh, and just, you kind of just need that quiet time. You need that moment to, to really reset. And I've uh, just been so impacted. And, and I think the other thing is just, also realize um, if I'm using and filling Sabbath, which is pause, right? It's not work. I, I can keep working, 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 working instead of like pause, refresh. Uh, Sabbath can just, if you really treat it that way as a, as a stop, it can be incredibly life-giving and man, I need that. I, I absolutely need that. Uh, the book is uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, John, John Comer. Yeah, yeah. John, John Mark, um, leading a cohort um, coming up here in a couple of months. And that's one of the books uh, right out of the gate. Uh, I don't know if you're, you're watching The Chosen at all with your girls, but uh, the idea of Sabbath, I love how they refer to it as Shabbat, just the, the original Hebrew language of just, just finding that rest. And 
that is a spiritual practice missing in many of our lives, um, especially for ambitious people, especially uh, not to re-reference it for, for threes, for high Ds, right? It's because we feel so unproductive in that moment of like being out of control and saying, oh God, you've, you've really got this. Like, I don't have to do anything in this moment. Um, something else to, to mention, how old is your oldest daughter? Nine. Nine. Uh, so my, I guess she's number three, she's eight. Uh, she asked me two days ago, she's like, dad, why are you so angry? And like in the moment of like the, the context of this story, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm out of alignment and, and nothing worse than having your daughters call that out. Right. And so, mm. uh, you know, being, being seen and exposed and uh, trying to say, who, who am I becoming uh, in this That's process? Right. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Whether, and it could be that comment. It could be, you realize that there's so much engagement, say with work or with social media or time, uh, recently went through uh, a program where 30 days, I really had no time, but to spend time with family, do the work and my job, there was no extra time for social media and those kinds of things. Turn it off for 30 days. I was absolutely shocked at how much time I actually have. And my kids loved it. And, and it was so interesting. They're like, man, we kind of missed what you were doing, the, doing that program, you know, because <laughs> you were actually more engaged during that time frame. And that's, that's certainly convicting. Yeah. And you're referencing the, the alt MBA with that's uh, right. Seth, Seth Godin and that cohort. Yes. Um, yes. And I think you mentioned, 20 hours a week that you have to devote to specifically to that. And so, right. If you're going to say something, yes, to that magnitude, a lot of things have got to go. Uh, That's for right. Sure. That's right. Absolutely. So, so Tim, God's desire for all of us is, is to be fully alive. Um, you know, and there's this thief that's coming to steal, kill and destroy. Um, what are three resources that help you in this space of, of being fully alive, um, maybe their resources, maybe their mentors or guides, like what are those things that have been meaningful to you in that context? Let's see, fully alive. Uh, there's, uh, if, if, yeah, if, if certainly trim it down to, to three things. There, of course, books are a huge part of my life. And I could reference a thousand different books, but I need certain ones. And just going back to the rest portion, there's a lot of books on rest, but I think one of the most recent books that's been impactful in my life has been Gentle and Lowly, a reminder of Jesus's heart for us. And I need to hear that as somebody who puts on incredible, sometimes unrealistic expectations on their life, I kind of need to be pulled back a little bit and go, no matter what you accomplish, uh, Jesus, it's hard for you is, is one of, of being gentle and lowly. And, and you're, you're not going to fail him uh, as you continue to pursue him. There's that love and that grace that's there. That's certainly one thing. I, I think other resources, this is not a shocker, is men to speak into your life, whether that's an actual mentor and I think mentors change and evolve over time, but that's something that I've always pursued. There's always a group. It may change over time, but there are always 
men in my life that I'm asking questions, speaking to, diving into deep, deep questions. Uh, I have a group of friends. This is this is kind of our first year of really doing something as intentional. But while we were in college, we would gather together and do a little retreat every single year. We kind of gotten off of that over the last couple of years, but this year we're back to Colorado. We're going to go fly fishing, get out there and get in the river together and then also spend some time together in a cabin. And I, I, maybe that's just because I've got, you know, four girls and my wife running around the house that I need some of those kinds of things. So, uh, but that's a huge piece, right? That is a, that is a big, big piece. Uh, I think for me, uh, that, that just makes a, a ton of sense. Um, and then I think a third thing for me is I, I just, God's blessed us to be able to do this, but I, I love to travel and see God's creation, God's world, go to different places. And, and I know that's kind of tied to the second piece, but especially travel with family or travel with my wife and, and go to different places and whether it's beach mountains, doesn't really matter. It's not about the money. It's often about the location and the time together. I think that we, we kind of need that and we need to see and reflect. And uh, I live on the East coast. I've seen enough of the beach. So a lot of times I need the mountains and I got to see that and I need to see it and, and just reflect. And, and I just feel alive when I'm doing that. I just love it. Uh, it's, it's a, uh, it's an incredible gift and incredible opportunity to be able to do that. So I'm, I'm going to continue to do that. So that's three. I could probably give you 30, but that's, that's three that I could think of. Uh, follow up on uh, one of those how do you how do you give time and space and attention to your heart on the daily so I'm, I'm very imperfect in this area i think that this is a this is a, an area that needs a lot of work for me uh transparently um there besides spending at least a few moments in silence which is difficult for somebody who's driven. I'm up, ready to go. I have to really stop myself. I can't, I can't tell you how many times that I've gotten up, gotten to go, get, get rolling, and I will get to work and go, oh my goodness, I need something uh, or at the end of the day. So there have been a lot of tools and resources that are here. I love the Dwell Bible app, and I'm just going to throw that out there. I think that has been a huge lifesaver for me, especially in the moments where I like zoom out and I'm going, you know what? I could sit here in my car. I don't need to run into the restaurant. I don't need to run into the office. I could sit here and reflect and let the scriptures be read to me. And so that 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 has been a huge piece. There was a couple of uh, fellow CEOs that I gather with on a monthly basis here recommended that to me a few months ago. It's been a lifesaver. It's been an incredible tool. I I love that. Um, and and uh, you invest some money into it you're more willing to continue to do it as well. So that, that would be my, that'd be my lifesaver daily thing. Um, the other piece is the sauna that I have. It's a no digital space. So I will go in there usually once a day, uh, for about 30 minutes to an hour. If I have the time, if I, it depends on kind of how late it is and what the, the kids are doing and I want to make sure I spend time with them. But that is the other piece that has been a amazing thing for me is finding something like that, that actively I'm doing and I'm able to just sit, meditate and reflection. I think there's a lot that, that there around meditation. That's, that's really key for me. I need to settle the, the brain down so often. That's good. 
So Tim, tell us about what has your focus, desire, passion uh, right now, and why should it be ours? I think that at the forefront of my mind right now is this concept around what it looks like to both care for people and be fiscally responsible in a business. I have said some, maybe some things that are a bit controversial in other places about how I, I don't believe in people over profit. I always say that and people go, what are you talking about? How could you say something like that? I think that too often we are forced into false dichotomies a lot of either or situations, sacred, secular is a huge one for me that over, over the past, I, I think is, is ridiculous. I think that uh, my faith influences everything that I do in my work. It's not an either or situation. It's both. And I think the same thing is to be said about how we run businesses and nonprofits. You can't care for people if you aren't making money in the business. You just can't do it. And so, but at the same time, you can't make money in the business without taking care of people. So these things just play together. I don't think it's one over the other. I think it's both. And so what I've tried to push for people is that your choice when you run or lead an organization or business is whether you're going to run a good one or a bad one. That's really what it comes down to. And I hate to simplify it that much, but but really that's what it looks like. And you can go to the far extremes on either end of you only care about profit or you only care about people. And those are dangerous extremes. I think that God, I think it's it's wise. There's a lot of wisdom in just running a good business that does all the things that are part of being and running a good business. And so uh, that's why I'm doing the podcast to talk about people or talk to people who are doing it, that are actually doing it. They're not just talking about, they're actually doing it. What does it really look like to be successful? And I say successful, I don't just mean financially, but they are a person uh, that, is, that is pursuing success, I think is defined by God. And they're also able to take care of people and they're able to grow people and develop people. So that that's really on my heart. Are you going to run a good business or a bad business? Don't, don't, be sucked into the people over profit or profit over people mentality. Just what we need is uh, as sister um, Irene Krause has said, you have no margin, you have no mission. So you got to work to have the margin in order to pursue the mission. The mission will fade away if you're not fiscally responsible with the organization that you have. That's good. So before we land this plane and come home with the, last question or two where can people find you specifically if they're not in hillsboro hillsboro millsboro uh, yeah millsboro delaware millsboro delaware yeah. If, yeah. if they're not <laughs> able yeah. to you, come to your chick-fil-a if, yeah if you're not in the middle of nowhere uh <laughs> yeah you can find uh me uh, on twitter uh tim sweetman uh on twitter i'm, I'm on linkedin as well instagram tim.sweetman and you can go to missionandmargin.co that's another great place to find out more but we're we're kind of everywhere whether it's apple spotify etc but you can certainly do that and feel free to drop me a line email me send me a direct message happy to talk cool. 
thank you for your time today, Tim. If I was to follow up with you in say three years from now, what are your what are your dreams that you're actively pursuing? Maybe a secret dream that you're actively pursuing, and how does that champion hope in your endeavors? And how does that possibly champion hope uh, for others as well? Yeah, uh, I'd say there's a few things that come to mind, but but in particular, I would love and I have committed to writing a book that is around this concept and idea of mission and margin, uniquely from the perspective of a business owner. There's a lot of phenomenal resources that are out there about theology of work, but they've mostly been written by pastors and theologians who want something that has been written from a business owner. And so we're going to pursue that. I think that's something you'll see in the next three years. I think the other piece for me is I'm very passionate about the business. I mean, I feel called to be a Chick-fil-A operator. And so what you will see is an operator that has grown, developed, and is what I believe is leading a world-class culture. And so I am less concerned these days about the revenue numbers, certainly concerned about profit. <laughs> we need to keep the doors open and pay people, but the huge revenue numbers I think will come. I think that if, if, if you were to come to me in three years, I would hope and pray, and I'm going to work very hard, that I have one of the best cultures to work at, period whether it's in Delaware or just across the nation, we want to be the, the employer of, cho of choice. And so that is so important to me to have that kind of, kind of place to work. And it's going to be more and more important for people over the next few years. And then lastly, I, I would hope and pray that you'd see an even better father, better leader of his family, someone that is uh, you know, still learning, but uh, is even more intentional uh, I, by that point, I will have a 12 year old about to be 13. And so the intentionality I feel as they get even older, and you could probably speak better to this, but it's even more important. It's even more important. It gets more and more important about that intentional time and the conversations and, and what I'm doing and how I'm acting and, and all those pieces. And so I think, yeah, I, I hope that I'd be even better able to speak and to show actions that say, I'm the kind of father and husband that could be emulated. So that that's what I'd say. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. In, in closing, I uh, ask most of the guests, especially highly driven faith guys like yourself to close in a scripture or prayer, something that's just meaningful to you. Um, and uh, that's my invitation to ask you to close us out. Yeah. All right. If you're okay with it, I just love to pray yeah. uh, for everybody's listening and, um, just that'll share my heart. So yeah, let's pray. It sounds great. I love it. Father, we are incredibly thankful for the blessings that you've given us. For so many of us, we have been gifted things that we do not deserve. Most of all salvation, we ha have no right to ask for your forgiveness, but you have sent your son uh, to save us. Um, you have freely given us the gift of eternal life. And Lord, we are thankful for that. And, and more than that, Lord, we're, we're so grateful and thankful that you've given us an opportunity, a platform to be able to speak, to live for the glory of you. I pray that you will allow us to do that, that you will give us wisdom, that you will draw us to you, uh, that you'll convict our hearts where we need convicting. 
Uh, Lord, I'm just so thankful, so grateful for all the blessings that you've given to me in my life. And I uh, pray that you will open the eyes of those who may be discouraged and aren't seeing that right now, that they will be able to see those blessings in their life. We pray these things in Jesus's name. Amen. Amen. Well, Tim, thank you. Thank you for your time. Uh, My pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I will look forward to seeing you on the other side. And I would also uh, like to instant, extend an invitation. If I can serve you in one or two coaching conversations, I'd be honored uh, to do that uh, as, as for your time today. Um, whether it's now or in the future, we can, we can schedule that and make that happen. That sounds great. I love it. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, uh, blessings on your weekend and, uh, I will let you know when this is out. All right. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah. Excited. All right. Take care, Tim. All right. Take care. Thanks so much, Lance. Bye. -bye.